Wow, hello, welcome to the Holy Baptist Church online service. It's great to have you with us. My name is Martin. I'm one of the ministers of the church and I just wanted to welcome you. Our service will be starting in about 10, 15 minutes. And if you are watching this on catch up, feel free to skip uh, to 15 minutes on the timeline. And that's when the service will be starting. But I just want to say that uh, if this is your first time here or if you've been coming for a while, we would love to make contact uh, with you. And the best way of doing that is for you to make contact with us. And there's different ways you can do that. Firstly, you can email us at join.in at hawleybaptist.org.uk and you can just say hi, say who you are and uh, we'd love to have a chat with you. If you have any any particular prayer requests then there is a confidential prayer email which is prayer at hawleybaptist.org.uk and there are people there who just want to chat to you and pray for you regardless of whatever that situation uh, may be so do email us or you can find us on facebook just search for holy baptist church uh, in the facebook search bar uh, find our Facebook page and do like our Facebook page and then you will be kept up to date with anything that's happening. Uh, also you can message us through the Facebook Messenger bit of the uh, Facebook page and just let us know that you're there and we'd love to once again uh, make contact and have a chat with you. The other way of doing it is to go to our website www.hawleybaptist.org.uk and you can go to the contact us section and click on uh, the section you want to contact us and uh, just fill out the online form and that will go to our administrator. So yeah, just let us know that you are there. You can, if you're watching this live, feel free to write in the comments section below uh, and uh, we'd love to just greet you and welcome you. And yeah, we'd love you to be part of our fellowship. Have a great day, enjoy the service, and uh, hopefully one day I might be able to meet you face to face. Bye.
Good morning. Welcome to our morning service. Welcome from the Shawi family. Uh, you may notice we're in a different room. Same sofa, but a different room. A bit like the TARDIS. Same TARDIS. Same time, it's different time, isn't it? That's a bit strange. Anyway, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just great to have you with us. Uh, if you're here, do say hello in the comment section below. And uh, we'd love to say hi, particularly if you are new. We'd love to welcome you and we'd love to find out where you are watching from. So we've got a fun packed service for you today. And Sunday, this Sunday is a special day. Do you Yay! know why this Sunday is a special day? Um, Advent? Advent, yes, well yes, done. Well done eh? It is the first Sunday of Advent and we're going to be looking at Advent today. Although we're going to be finishing off our final part of our Forgiveness Sermon series. So our Christmas ser Sermon series doesn't start till next week. But we're going to be doing Advent today. And the theme of this today is... Hope. 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 That is a theme of... The, uh, has someone got a middle name of Hope? No. Eve Hope Shorey. Eve Hope Shorey, yes. <laughs> it's all about you. No, it's about Jesus. But Advent is a time we look forward to Jesus. So that every week we're going to be looking at a different theme. And this week is hope. Now, I got these themes off the internet. The problem is, when I looked at other places on the internet, the themes seem to be different. So apologies if these are not the themes that you would be used to, but they're the ones we're going with. So hope today and uh, I've got a question for you which I'd love you to write your answers in the comment section below and this is a question for you as well what do you hope for what are you hoping for I'm hoping for a puppy um, and it has to be a um, small puppy and I want it to be a sausage dog puppy a sausage dog puppy I That's not going to happen. We've got three dogs. <laughs> We're not going to have a puppy as I well. Want, well on, what do you hope for? I want Nemo's Leopard and, and a Santa costume. Right, so ah. they're thinking of Christmas, Nemo slippers and the Santa costume. What do you reckon? I just, um, I think I hope that we can just see people normally Yes, point. yeah, I hope there will be an end sometime soon to the situation we find ourselves in. But um, I'm going to bring with, uh, to you just in a moment uh, the top five things that people hope for according to HuffPost.com. Uh, but before we do that, thanks to everyone that sent in their join-in photos. Uh, the theme was for this week... Playing something. Playing, playing something. So playing a musical instrument, playing a uh, game or playing the full. Thank you to Richard for his picture of him in the clown costume. For next Sunday, so I want you to send in photos to join in at hollybaptist.org.uk. Photos of you doing an advent thing. So it could be opening your chocolate advent calendar. Yes, we're going to get the famous Granddad Shawy advent calendar down from the loft. And it's going to involve chocolate. Or maybe in your house you have an advent candle. So I want you to have a photo of you doing something adventy. Okay, so send your photos to join.in at hollybaptist.org.uk and I'd love to have those by end of day Wednesday, please. And we can show those off in our countdown. Joel, careful. So, top five things that people hope for according to HuffPost. Are you ready for them? At number five, we have joy. Finding the right role that will bring joy to my life. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just feeling like I was a little bit superficial. <laughs> yeah, yes, maybe puppies or joy. Number four, peace. Uh, peace, uh, not having peace, unpeace, non-peace, is a lack of clarity about who I am or my purpose. So I want to know about who I am and what my purpose is in life. And number three is freedom, to find my true purpose. Number two is money, not, not having enough to accomplish what I want to do, so have enough money to accomplish what I want to do. And number one is happiness, knowing what I want to do. So they're all about the same. They all seem to be exactly the same. <laughs> they're all very similar about making yourself but happy. Joy, peace, freedom, money and happiness. Now we, the great thing about, well actually the bad thing about all these things is they're so dependent on everything else. And even if we have them, like money, it doesn't necessarily make us happy. We've never got enough. But Advent is about remembering that Jesus was born 
and Jesus is coming again and he can give us everything we need and for eternity he will never fail us or leave us and we are going to see a game about that we've now got a creative team who are going to produce a video every week creative over advent team. period and this first video is a game called Merry Fishmas and it's from the Jeromes and it's asking the question what do you hang on to and the reality is we can hang on to the promises of God because God will never fail us or leave us so let's watch this game over to the Jerome family To play Merry Fishmas, you will need a bowl of candy canes, all kept in place by chocolate Brussels sprouts. You will need a chopstick, a piece of string, and another candy cane, and they're tied together so the hook of the candy cane is at the bottom. You then place the other end of the chopstick in your mouth, and with your hands behind your back so you can't cheat, you try to hook as many candy canes as you can out of the bowl in just one minute. <laughs> like that. Are you ready to play? We are. Later. Now, Advent. Every Advent, uh, we light a candle. Now, no expense at spared. I've made my own Advent <laughs> candle. It's not thing quite like the ones we used to With a breadboard and some candle. I, actually, I did save some expense. 
I could have, I could have spent eight ninety nine on some advent candles from Amazon, but I just found some candles in the cupboard. So we're going to light a candle every week for Advent, and the first one symbolises hope. So Eve, Ooh, you got to press that down and keep it held down, okay? Okay. Uh -oh. And you're going to do this one, not the middle one. We do that on Christmas Day. So ready? Press the button. Yeah, I will do, but you need to press the button first. You need to press the button and get flame. Press out. it a bit more. No, I don't. Oh, there we go. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're a bit wobbly. Well, it's because Joel's getting up on the sofa. And Yay. there we go. Our headphone oh, candle. No, but the. <laughs> we weren't supposed to blow it. You can tell it's all been all three of their birthdays this month because that's what they do with candles, they blow them out. Right, we've got a reading oh, and then we've got a song. So, Ellie and Eve, can, Ellie, can you read? Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 and. And six, 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 seven. 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 No, not six, We're not just six, seven. not seven. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Well done. Well done. Ooh. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Very good. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Excellent. We're going to sing a song before we uh, carry on with our service. Actually, this is part of our service. I don't want to carry on with our service. We're going to sing a song. Mighty to say, but we have a God that is save us. We can put our hope. Uh, in our Heavenly Father, and he is the one that will save us. So everyone needs compassion. And, and Eve has a guitar for her birthday. Eve, do you want to show everybody your guitar? So she, she, she can't play many chords yet, so you might have a little bit of disharmony going on. But Just a little bit. She's, she's very happy and playing away, so she's going to join in. <laughs> everyone needs compassion. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a savior. The hope of nation. Forever, author of salvation, he 
Yeah, Lord God, we thank you that we can trust in you, that you can move mountains and you will move mountains for us. And help us during this Advent period as we prepare for Christmas to remember you, to worship you and to prepare our hearts uh, for the risen Christ. Amen. 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 So we're going to hand over to um, an interview with David. Um, this was done pre-lockdown. And Dave is talking about hope. It's a story of hope. And then we've got some prayers from Dave. I'm going to be finishing off uh, our Essential Forgiveness sermon series. We've got some songs. Yeah, that's about it. So, yeah. Uh, enjoy. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Bye, everyone. Bye. My name's David. I am a kidney specialist at one of the hospitals in Surrey. And... Fairly busy job, but extremely rewarding. I also go to church at Holy Baptist Church. We've been there for about five years now, going on six, and I still feel like I'm a new kid on the block, but it's a very, very warm place to be in. I'm fairly active with things in the church, and at the moment I'm one of the elders. It's been a good five years, but as everyone would tell you, this year has been very different. COVID was challenging. Um, first of all, at work, we, we didn't know what to expect. Um, you heard news from China, seemed very, very far away. Then you heard news from Italy, and that wasn't so far away. And then it was here. And I still remember the first UK case, and it was almost, wow, this is here. And then not too long after that, there was the first hospital case, and it was still this and then all of a sudden it exploded. And just around the start of when we were seeing very many cases, so this is about the beginning, middle of March, did my ward round and then suddenly felt mm, a bit unwell, a bit of a fever, I thought, mm, okay. Um, two hours later, I really wasn't feeling well and uh, snuck behind somewhere in the hospital, got my temperature and it was about 37.9, okay. And then I'm now stuck between, do I just soldier on or am I actually a risk to the mm. people I'm looking after? Told my colleague, I said, I'm terribly sorry, but I'm going to need to leave. And I'd like to say I'm back to normal, but sometimes you have to ask, was I ever normal? At least for me, one of the challenges I had before COVID was spending next to no time at home. So I, I think for my wife, Carol, it's she got to see much more of me whether that was a blessing or a curse i have no idea it's a good question um i don't think i've got a trite answer i can tell you though you know when they say things like there's no there are no atheists on a sinking ship you may not be able to you know have a physical manifestation but there was no question i didn't feel he was distant there was part of me that felt and going through being ill, recovering, it wasn't so much what I was going through, it was in my mind, God, what are you wanting me to learn from this? It made me realise that there are times we go and do church. You've been there, you've done what you do, you go back home. And much as you try not to say, so that's what you've done, you've got good at doing church. Not having it now, you then have to ask the question, if God was there and God is still here, why is it, what is it you're missing? Because it shouldn't be him. You might miss the fellowship of other people, but you, if, if what you're missing out of, out of now is God, can you truly justify that that's what you had there? I miss the people, I miss the interactions, but I actually think it's made me want to actually again question God and say, did I have it right then? because you're still there. Mm. We've never had the virus before. And I know at the first lockdown, I kept on telling myself and trying to tell others as well, when we start looking back, 
and judging what was done. Please be kind, not just to yourself, but to everyone. There was nothing they could compare with. This ain't gonna change quickly. And for us, getting used to wearing masks, getting used to a significant amount of the things we're doing, doesn't sit well with us. I am hoping it'll be very short. But sometimes, even with our prayers, God might say, there's stuff I need you to learn, and I'm not gonna live this until you've learnt it. Can you be comfortable with that? I was talking to my wife Carol yesterday, and I forget what the question I posed was. It was, I think it was, oh, I'm gonna be doing this interview tomorrow. What would you say if it were you? And she said, don't lose hope. I think I'd say the same, don't lose hope. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time of Christmas and we thank you for the birth of your son Jesus and the hope it gave us and the hope it gives us now. Lord, we thank you that he was born in such a lowly way. It draws us all to you. It doesn't matter who we are, we can come to you. And that's the hope we have through your birth of Jesus. You sent him not to um big castle ambient lifestyle you sent him to a lowly place a mother who was just a young woman a single mum in so many ways she was betrothed to be married but not married and she was wasn't from a rich family Come out of Bethlehem, a lowly town, a lonely place. Lord, we just thank you for your humbleness. You sent the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God Himself, Emmanuel, to be with us on the first Advent, on the first Christmas. You've sent Him to be our God our reconciler, our ransom, but you sent him as the tiniest baby, fragile baby, to give the world the hope and the glory, the hope that comes from you, the hope that we had back then and we have today. Lord, we pray for the hope that we had then to be with us now in this time we are suffering from this coronavirus lord we've got that hope in you again as you're creating through the fantastic doctors of this world that virus injection lord it's just hope you are hope you are our hope the hope is not unfounded the hope is secure and steadfast. And Lord, we just praise you for that. We just love you, we adore you. And as we think of Advent now, and think of this time that you were born, it's just so much surreal and so much more fantastic as we think about it in the situation we're in now, that you have control, and that is where we get our hope from. And Lord, we just praise you, look, adore you in this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.
despite the rather wintry weather, I've still got to go out there and walk my three dogs. But I'm inviting you to come and join me. But unlike me, you don't need to don on a coat and wellies. You can join me virtually each week via YouTube. During this Advent period, I'm going to be discussing uh, different topics in the run-up and the lead-up to Christmas. And the first one's already, already available for you to watch on the theme of hope. So I would encourage you to tune in each week, subscribe to our YouTube channel, turn on notifications so you don't miss out, and journey with me as we prepare ourselves for the birth of Christ. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at forgiveness and why it's so essential. And as we come to this final part of the series, I want to think, you know, what, what has this got to do with me? Surely forgiveness is all about the other person, the person that we're offering forgiveness to. I mean, it's about letting them off the hook, isn't it? Is that what forgiveness is all about? Well, we're going to look this morning at why forgiveness is vital for for me and for you, and why it's also so dangerous not to forgive. Perhaps you've heard the saying, the phrase, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And that's great advice for anyone, really, but particularly for relationships such as marriage. I'm sure that if you are married, you have been in a situation similar to the one I have found myself in when I've had an argument with Jen, my wife, and we go to bed and we haven't made up, we haven't said sorry or we haven't offered forgiveness. And we're there in bed and the, the chasm between us is far greater than the width of the beds. And if only one of us would say sorry, if only one of us would offer forgiveness. Now that phrase, don't let the sun go down in your anger, is actually from the Bible. And we're just going to look at that now. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, it's verse 26. And we're just going to look at that, that phrase, that passage within its context. So if you've got a Bible, here's my Bible, turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 4. So it says this, verse 26, In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And Paul in this passage is writing to a bunch of Christians in Ephesus and he's saying basically that there should be a difference between how you were before you accepted Jesus into your heart and how you are now as a follower of Jesus Christ. And if we go to the beginning of this section, at least it's the section that is how it divided up in my Bible from verse 17, he tells us he tells us and he tells those original hearers of these words, don't be like you once were. I mean, before you, you didn't understand, you were ignorant. And this led to your heart becoming hard. And the thing about a hard heart is it's insensitive. It doesn't feel guilt or shame in the way maybe it should. And that leads to all sorts of wrong behaviour. And Paul goes on to list a whole load of things, greed, lies, unhelpful relationships. And Paul's saying that was what you once did, but now you need to put on your new self, a different attitude, a different way of thinking, a different way of being. Basically, you're becoming more like gods. If we could sum this all up in one phrase, Paul is saying, Think differently, act differently. Paul then goes on to list a whole load of other things. And one of those things uh, that you should be doing as a new being, a new a follower of Jesus Christ is found in verse 26. In your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. But in verse 27, Paul then goes on to explain why this anger, why this unforgiveness is so 
damaging, so dangerous. Verse 27, and do not give the devil a foothold. See, that's the scary reality that Paul wants to make us aware of. That if we fail to forgive, if we remain bitter and angry, if we hold on to those grudges and those feelings about that other person, those, that party that has offended you, then you are opening yourself up to, the, to a negative influence, the negative influence of the devil. That's you are enabling him to find a home within your hearts. That you are enabling him to put a foot in the door and come into your home. And the thing about the devil is he's, he is no respecter of boundaries. He isn't just going to confine himself to this one particular issue that you have. He's going to try and pollute and pervade every part of who you are. And that's why anger and unforgiveness is so dangerous. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we're all holding on to some sort of unforgiveness. And perhaps as you've been listening to this sermon series, it's raised in your mind people incidences where you have been struggling to let go, struggling to forgive, that you have these mental notes in your head that you keep coming back to time and time again. You're circling around and around the issue and maybe you forget about it for a while Well, then something happens, something is said and although you've maybe said the words I forgive you to someone and maybe you're actually the fairly good relationship with them perhaps there's still something from the past you have been unable to let go of and it makes you angry every time you think of it see why is it so difficult to forgive why is it so difficult to let go well I think there's a number of reasons I found this from a psychology uh, website first thing maybe they haven't said sorry you know, someone off, uh, saying sorry, apologising and asking forgiveness makes a huge difference. It makes it a lot easier, easier for us to forgive. But maybe that person or those people haven't said sorry. Secondly, maybe you're still suffering from the consequences of what was done to you. You know, it's not something from the past. It's something you're still carrying with you now. That makes it difficult to let go. Perhaps the behaviour is still happening. You know, you can't forgive the person for what they did because they are still doing it. But then there's one I want to add to the list. And actually, the reality is you just, I just don't want to let the person off the hook. See, I can remember a particular incident uh, in my life a few years ago when some people really hurt me. They upset me, acted in a way that really made life difficult and caused a huge amount of problems. And looking back, it's interesting, I can see their legitimate reasons for acting the way they did. I can also see the ways in which I didn't help the problem, the ways I made things worse, the way, the mistakes I made. But even still, for whatever reason, I seem to have this self-destructive streak in me that makes it incredibly difficult for me to let go and to forgive them. I just keep coming back to what they did. I keep circling around it. And the reality is, if you're like me and holding on to that unforgiveness, it's doing more harm to you than it is to them. See, the person that you are unable to forgive, they may be completely oblivious to the fact that they've upset you. They may be living their life completely free of any burden that that unforgiveness may be putting on them. It may even be that the person that you're unable to forgive is no longer alive. So it makes absolutely no difference to them whether you've forgiven them or not. It's said that refusing to forgive, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Really, the only person that you're harming is you. I don't know if you ever 
cut yourself. Of course you've cut yourself. We've all cut ourselves. And, you know, it hurts, but it's localised. If I cut my arm or hurt my finger, it doesn't stop me walking. But the thing about poison is if it isn't sorted quickly, it starts at one point, whether it's a snake bite or you've drunk some poison, and it affects every part of who you are. It pervades your whole body. It stops you from being healthy and living a healthy life. And forgiveness, unforgiveness, does exactly the same thing. The devil wants to affect every part of you. And if you are not forgiving someone, be them still alive, or maybe they've passed away. The unforgiveness is not harming them, it's harming you. And it's a poison that seeps into every part of you. So how do I move on? How do I let go? How do I really forgive? How do I stop circling around those same thoughts that keep rising the anger within me and make it incredibly difficult to forgive, even if I've said the words, I forgive? See, what I want to say to you this morning as we come to the end of this series on essential forgiveness is that forgiveness is a process, not an event. It's a journey that starts with saying the words, I forgive you, either to the person's face or perhaps if they're not alive anymore, you're just saying it to God. It's an action which, a bit like a hammer thrower, circles round and round and round again, and then let go of the hammer. Those words, let go, is the letting go of the hammer. It's about setting a direction that you want to go in, a journey that you want to travel on, where the ultimate destination is complete and utter forgiveness and letting go of all those hurts and pains that you've been holding on to. And although you may have said the words, you may still feel the anger, actually you're going to start that process step by step, travelling with maybe another person who you trust that you can talk about it with, but most importantly, travelling with Jesus towards this ultimate destination, empowered by his Holy Spirit, cleaning you from the inside out. It's about recognising that you have a problem, recognising that unforgiveness is a sin, that God has told you to forgive. And if you're not forgiving, then you have to be honest with the fact that you are sinning against God. You are not doing what God has asked you to do. It's about shutting the door on the devil, kicking his foot out, so he no longer has a foothold in your life. So that those effects, that pervasion of that poison within your life starts to diminish as the Holy Spirit cleans you out, as you step by step move towards that ultimate destination of complete forgiveness. And yeah, it may be one step forward, two steps back, but it's about doggedly persevering. It's about capturing those thoughts that threaten to take you back to that place of bitterness and say, no, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. I'm letting go. I'm not going there. I'm moving towards letting go. So I just want you to be honest about the struggles that you have, but take control of the situation. And that means taking control of your mind. And learn to walk in the freedom that Christ has given you. As I end this sermon, as I end this series, I want to leave you with a story. A story of a lady called Corrie Ten Boom, who you may have heard of. And the Ten Boom family were a Dutch family that owned a clock shop uh, in Holland. And... They were committed followers of Jesus Christ and they lived out their faith in the Second World War by harbouring Jews who were escaping the Nazis and hiding Dutch resistance who were fighting against the occupying force. And countless numbers of lives were saved because of the work they did. But one day they were betrayed and the Gestapo came, the Nazis came, and they arrested the entire family. And Caspar, Corrie Ten Boom's father, died within a few days of being in prison. 
along with many other members of that family. But Corrie and her sister Betsy were spent months in prison before finally ending up at the Ravensbrück concentration camp, where they experienced terrible suffering uh, in the hands of the Nazis, and Betsy, Corrie's older sister, died. Now, Corrie survived those war years, and she was led to a global ministry of reconciliation and God's message of forgiveness. And in 1947, she found herself in Germany, in Munich, offering that message. And while she was there in that church, she spotted at the end of the meeting, the end of the talk, a man coming towards her. And she recognised him straight away. He was one of the prison guards at the Ravensbrück concentration camp where her sister had died. And straight away, images flashed into her mind of this man wearing the uniform, those terrible things that they suffered at his hands, the humiliation, the pain, the death. And the man came up to her and thrust out his hand and asked Corrie Ten Boom for her forgiveness. And I'm going to continue uh, the story in Corrie's own words. And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your God in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hands. I can do that much. You must supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprung into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. See, are you going to move on and live your life fully in the freedom that Christ has given you? Or are you going to nurse your bitterness and remain as an invalid. It's as simple and as horrible as that.
Bye everyone, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Just a couple of notices before we finish. First one is Praise Club is starting again this evening via Zoom. So um, hopefully the details go out soon about that. I think it's at seven, uh, but you will need to double check that. And also, secondly, this Wednesday, if you're a church member, we have got our AGM and lots of exciting stuff to talk about and discuss and hear from you as well. So that is at an earlier time of 7.30. So please don't turn up at eight. Uh, and if you, you could get your voting papers to us by Tuesday at the latest by dropping it into the church office, that would be amazing. Yeah, so thank you so much for enjoy, joining us. Do join us for Zoom coffee. And uh, we're going to finish with a lovely song called That Name. And uh, yeah, hope to see you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, everyone. If it was not for that name If it was not for that name I love If no one had told me If no one had showed me About the name If it was not for this love If it was not for the love of God If He had not loved me Long before I knew Him If not for love
If it was not for this grace of God, who would bear my sorrow? Give me back tomorrow. If it was not for that name.